Welcome to the second quarter conference call for GW&K Investment Management. This call represents the views and opinions of GW&K Investment Management and does not constitute investment advice, nor should it be considered predictive of any future market performance. On the call today is Harold Kotler, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, Bill Sterling, Global Strategist, and Jim McCarthy, Partner and Director of Private Client Services. As always, I'll turn it over to Harold for some opening comments. Thanks, Jim. Well, it's, it is a complicated time, and I look forward to this phone call to try to put some uh, uh, rationale behind the behavior. Uh, clearly, the debate between inflation and recession is alive and well, and whether the Federal Reserve will kill the economy by increasing rates too high or be too slow and create more inflation than we need. These are all critical dis discussions. And I think as I wrote in my quarterly letter, I think it's gonna be uh, a complicated time where it will not be obvious for a couple of years, which direction and which uh, avenue will win out. Uh, so I think you have to be cautious and diversify and be patient. Thank you, Harold. Um, we'll start out with that topic of recession and inflation. I'll start with Bill. Um, Bill, the markets continue to struggle, struggle with high inflation and recession fears. We're, we're not seeing some of the normal signs um, that we are headed into a recession, such as higher unemployment. Um, have we ever had a recession where the job market remains strong with an unemployment low? Do you feel that a strong job market could cushion us from a deeper recession? Jim, you're right that there's a very weird mix of economic data right now because it looks like we could end up technically having two negative quarters in a row if the Atlanta Fed's prediction of the negative second quarter follows the first quarter, which was minus 1.6%. But jobs growth has been robust. Uh, in the last quarter, we had an average of 375,000 new jobs a month. Now, you have heard in the past after the global financial crisis, we had a so-called jobless recovery. Could we have a, a job full uh, recession? I don't think that's a thing. And I know the National Bureau of Economic Research thinks uh, you need a broad-based set of declines, and they pay particular attention to both labor income and jobs growth in their definition of recession. So this may be a technical, more of an inventory correction, um, but it is clear that there has been a slowing of the economy, which is what the Fed wants. And uh, it now looks as if you know real growth of about 1% year on year in the first quarter is uh, what we're likely to see. And some economists call that stall speed, which is if the Fed continues with aggressive rate cuts, even when the economy is slowing to stall speed, then you do you know, raise a significant risk of a recession, um, you know, perhaps in 2023. So that's what the market's grappling with right now. Thank you, Bill. Um, Harold, uh, so the most recent inflation number, CPI number, hit 9.1% last month the highest in over 40 years, yet we are seeing signs of commodity prices coming down and the housing market starting to slow a bit. Do you feel that we have hit peak inflation or are near it? Yes, as a short answer, uh, I think inflation has peaked, but as Bill suggests, there's a lot of shift and uh, there's still an inventory, a worthless inventory, out of, out of season inventory, and there's still log jams in the semiconductor industry. So there's still prices increases. Yes, there's a labor shortage, 
but yet there's people looking for a job. Um, there's a lot of cross, cross currents. But I think, as I think about interest rates and the long end discounting inflation, I think it'd be a mistake to expect inflation to go beyond the 9%. And I think it could well have been the opportunity of a lifetime, or at least of this lifetime, to buy bonds uh, a few weeks ago. Because I think that the discount rate for inflation may be ebbing as the economy slows. And I think we have to be careful about the word recession. It's only a word. I know there's an economic definition to it, but in reality, it could be a kind of a, uh, a kind of different kind of recession, which uh, allows interest rates to stay reasonably low and the economy to slow down at a healthy pace. Uh, and as we try to really rework re uh, healthy, going forward economy. Thank you, Harold. Um, Bill, so recently we've seen oil prices drop. Crude has traded under $100 a barrel in the past month. Um, we're in the middle of the peak summer travel season. The war in the Ukraine is continuing. China is reopening. So many experts had expected oil prices to continue to rise. Um, what has led to the recent drop? Um, yeah, well, I think... Uh, the oil market, like other markets, is vacillating back and forth uh, between, you know, could the Fed tightening, um, you know, lead to a recession and would that dampen the demand for oil? Um, and, uh, you know, the other, I think, key thing to keep in mind, too, is that oil is priced in U.S. dollars. The dollar is up 11 percent against major currencies this year. So that reduces the purchasing power of the rest of the world. It reduces their ability to buy oil and pay the same prices they were uh, for oil. So, and, and that, of course, is part of the objective of Fed policy by tightening rates is to strengthen the, the U.S. dollar. So, you know, and that said, uh, China, it looks like their economy started to bounce after some severe, you know, lockdown pressures that occurred in March and April. The June numbers were pretty strong, but there's a concern that COVID's rearing its ugly head against China. There may be more lockdowns. That China's recovery may not be as robust as it was the last time they had lockdowns. So I think that's a factor um, as well. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there's also a sense that, you know, uh, Putin certainly needs to send oil to the rest of the world uh, to fund his economy, which otherwise is faltering due to sanctions. Um, and, you know, even if the U.S. and the allies aren't buying it, um, the Indians, the Chinese are buying um, that Chinese, uh, they're buying the Russian oil as well. So the oil is still pumping out into global markets. It's a fungible commodity and that's keeping the price from rising too much. Thanks, Bill. Um, Harold, as we've mentioned, uh, markets are very concerned about recession, yet we've seen the strong jobs number two weeks ago, um, higher inflation number, as we mentioned. Um, the yield curve has recently inverted. Um, long rates didn't really move on these numbers. Um, the inverted yield curve tends to be a predictor of recession. Uh, Two-year treasuries are yielding over 10-year treasuries. Um, do you believe that there is a high probability of a recession? No. Um, I do worry about uh, price of grain and fuel if this war doesn't end come next winter. I do worry about the squeeze 
uh, the world. Uh, and if that were to occur, there could be a recession. Uh, I'm hoping that we negotiate, they negotiate some type of ceasefire uh, because uh, it also put strain socially on the world's uh, the rich and poor. And uh, it's, it's very unhealthy that commodities, both wheat and oil, are the fulcrum that uh, the Europe and the United States and Russia are using. So, but for that, um, no, I don't, if it's a recession, it's, 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 it will be like uh, a painless recession, unless things get out of hand. I mean, today's newspaper, Wall Street Journal, has the leaders of Iran, China, and Russia on the front page. I mean, you're talking about a whole block that you know, wants to reset uh, the way the world operates. And uh, we have a lot of things, and we have the election. And uh, I called everybody to the Economist article this week, an incredible article on the weaknesses of the two parties and what it really means for setting policy going forward after the November election. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of real things out there that we can't anticipate nor discount. Uh, but if it's normalized, I don't see a recession. If things get really out of hand, anything's possible. Thanks, Harold. Um, one last uh, question on this topic. Um, you know, the S&P 500 has been down over 20% several times this year. Um, what is the normal drawdown during recessions? Um, do markets tend to go down ahead of them or um, do they even start to recover before they end? Oh, well, you know, there's an old joke that says the stock market has predicted nine of the last five recessions. So sometimes the market goes down 20% and there's no recession. Um, Bloomberg did a study recently where they said, you know, 20% drawdown is typical in a soft landing scenario and then the market comes right back. But in a recession, you often see 35% drawdowns because you get another leg of the bear market due to earnings cuts. Um, nobody really knows exactly, as Harold just said, how it's going to pan out, but it is the case that you know, markets tend to go down ahead of the economy actually going down. And then they often recover in the midst of you know, um, a, a steep economic downturn where all the data looks terrible. Um, so it's uh, guaranteed to cause confusion. Thanks, Bill. Um, moving over to interest rates, uh, the 10-year treasury briefly reached about 3.5% a month ago, but now has been trading around 3%. Harold, you mentioned that long-term interest rates might have peaked. Um, investors get tempted by short-term yields uh, as they're very similar to long-term yields right now. But would you recommend looking at longer-term bonds to lock in these higher rates? Absolutely. Even if rates do go higher, to be able to get, let's say, municipal bonds three, three and a half percent versus what it would have been six months ago at less than one percent tax-free, um, even if rates, even if they went back to 4%. So what? I mean, you're getting 3.5% on tax-free returns. I mean, it's been a long time since you've been able to get a reasonable return. And then people say, well, will that keep up with inflation? Well, that goes back to what kind of a economy we end up having. I will tell you that inflation will not be sustainable 
for long term because the government uh, discretionary spending will disappear funding the deficits. So in my whole history in the business, uh, higher interest rates lead to lower interest rates. And to call when is it the peak, when it's not the peak, it could be a fool's game. But what I do know is when rates rise, you buy into it. And if they rise further, you buy further because you won't know when it hits the top and it will hit a top and then it will go back down and you'll miss the opportunity to lock in nice returns. So absolutely need to be buying today and tomorrow. Thanks, Harold. Um, Bill, with the recent 9.1% CPI uh, reading, is the market now expecting the Fed funds rate to move higher than previously expected? Not really, Jim, because after the previous month's 8.6% CPI print shocked the markets, at one point, um, you know, the market thought the Fed funds rate was going to go as high as 4%, but it very quickly pared back those expectations. Um, and after this latest print, it still sees the Fed funds rate peaking at around 3.5% and getting there pretty quickly, probably by the end of the year. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and I think the market probably is more comfortable with the idea that 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 could be the zone where it peaks because there is so much clear evidence that the economy is is slowing down to, you know, one to one and a half percent type of GDP growth below trend, which is what the Fed wants to see to, you know, curb inflation. I guess I need to emphasize Bill's point and that short rates and long rates are very similar, but the short rates discount the cyclical policy of the Fed and the government. Long rates discount inflation. Uh, the long rate is telling you there's no long-term inflation. Long-term inflation, long-term inflation. It's not telling you there's not short-term inflation, long-term inflation. If there's no long-term inflation, long rates don't have to be very much higher than they are today. And I think one has to learn the difference between short rates and long rates. Short rates can go up, they can go down, but long rates discount inflation. And the long-term policy of this country is not to have long-term inflation. So that's not gonna happen. We're gonna move on to the equity markets now. Um, I'll start with Bill. So corporate earnings season just kicked off. What are the expectations for corporate earnings through the end of the year? Have we seen major downward revisions over the past few months? Um, well, we're just a week or so into the uh, second quarter earnings uh, reporting season. And, you know, so far there's evidence, uh, just something like 10% of index earnings have been reported. And those, that second quarter EPS has ticked down 30 basis points, roughly, you know, as if that's meaningful or not. Um, and, you know, 43% of the companies beat on sales and EPS, which is a little weaker than you historically see a beat rate closer to, you know, 47%. Um, so th there's some conservatism developing out there um, among, uh, you know, corporate managers in terms of the guidance they're giving. But in general, you know, when I look at the uh, bottom-up earnings forecast from the analyst community, they're expecting earnings this year to still be up 15%, on a calendar year basis from a year ago and up 8% over the next couple of years. So, you know, the dollar, as I mentioned earlier, 
being up 11% is a headwind. So we're starting to hear companies that have significant international exposure beginning to get a bit, little bit more cautious on what that uh, contribution will be from the international divisions uh, because of the translation effects of a stronger dollar. Um, so that's worth keeping our eye on. But in, in general, the market's been pretty resilient on the earnings side, um, you know, so far. And, uh, you know, if there's a soft landing, then that may well be the right call. Thanks, Bill. Um, Harold, in your quarterly letter, you talked about how the, we are currently in a stock picker's market. What is your outlook for the markets over the next few years? My outlook is that speculation is being driven out of the market with rates, interest rates rising, and also the absurdity of valuations. So we're in a healthy correction. What I'm hoping that this period is very similar to the 70s, not so much when OPEC uh, almost bankrupt the West because the West didn't know how to handle higher oil prices. And it took about 10 years to figure it out. We obviously have a much better handle on efficiency, productivity, uh, and our own domestic production. And if we had a decent oil policy, we would be self-sufficient. Having said that, um, I just, I don't see um, the real issue going forward. Um, We're gonna move on to some global comments. Uh, Bill, I'll turn these questions over to you. Um, Europe has been experiencing high inflation as well. Um, how have their economic numbers held up are there major concerns of recession? And what are central banks doing to combat inflation? Uh, yeah, I think the um, economic data has held up a little better than uh, people might have thought because there have been some confidence surveys, kind of like what we've seen in the United States that have gotten much worse since the Ukraine war um, started. But um, the purchasing managers indexes are still generally above 50, indicating you know, the econ economic expansion continues. And um, economic forecasts for nominal GDP have not really come down much at all in Europe. Um, the, the composition, they've been more coming from the inflation side of things because European inflation, the latest print has been 8.6% there. So it's more inflation-driven growth and less real um, growth that we're seeing in the numbers. But um, you know, so far the European stock market's just slightly behind the S&P 500 um, this year. And, um, you know, there are more concerns that if Russian gas gets cut off, there was some good news about that um, recently, but if, you know, um, that were to happen, it could have a bigger impact on European growth than um, clearly than anywhere else in the world because of their dependency on Russian gas uh, coming in. Um, so there's that risk factor, but clearly also they have to be raising rates and they're expected to raise rates um, now by about 200 basis points over the next 12 months. Um, so they'll be following the Fed to a large extent. Well, let me finish my thought. I'm, you know, compared 70s to today, um, it was a time when stock pickers uh, really enjoyed their opportunity because the speculation uh, was driven out of the market. So um, it's a time where just, People, firms like ours, I think can shine and that you don't have the tide taking stocks up or down. 
And if we end up in a period of consolidation for a few years, uh, it could be a wonderful opportunity. Uh, not huge growth, but opportunity to be selective and make money in a trading range that may exist for a few years. Thanks, Carl. Um, Bill, uh, China's economy has been opening up after waves of COVID shutdowns. Um, what have the shutdowns done to economic growth? And do you believe the shutdowns have caused pent up demand and we could see you know, China's growth numbers accelerate? No, the shutdowns were very intense, as you saw on the news, particularly in March and April, and they hammered the economy. So we just got second quarter GDP, which was um, down at a 10% annual rate uh, in the second quarter. But the June data, um, as the lockdowns were eased, has been very strong. In fact, since the bottom in April, retail sales are up about 30%, and there may be some more sort of um, you know pent up, call it revenge spending, um, that uh, could fuel stronger growth in the third quarter. You know, generally people are looking at the potential for a double-digit recovery uh, in the third quarter uh, in China. You know, that said, there's still some risk factors. They still have COVID cropping up here and there in the country, and they're more committed to this zero COVID policy than any other country in the world. So there could be more lockdowns ahead. And they've got some real estate issues uh, that they still haven't fully addressed um, that, uh, you know, have gotten a lot of attention and maybe a dampener on growth relative to, um, you know, the recovery after the round one of the COVID shutdowns back in early 2020. That was a very robust recovery for the rest of the year. Um, You know, it remains to be seen. The one thing I'd say about China, though, it's the one country in the world where the government is clearly focused on restoring growth with both fiscal and monetary policy, while the rest of the world is trying to slow. And they don't have an inflation problem. Inflation's in the mid 2% range. Um, so they have more latitude to be focused on jumpstarting growth than uh, all the other countries that are, are dealing with uh, the big inflation problem. Thanks, Bill. Uh, we're gonna finish it off with politics. Um, Harold, it, it seems like President Biden's agenda has stalled with the upcoming midterm elections. Do you expect a strong showing from the Republicans and do you think equity markets would actually split government? I think the Republicans are going to do very well in November. And I think the key will be how do the Democratic, how does the Democratic Party react to that reality? Uh, there's two ways they can go. They can say if, if Manchin didn't um, ruin Biden's agenda, it would be more stimulant we would be better off? Or are they saying that the population um, is reacting to uh, many of the extreme left's democratic policy agenda? Uh, How they interpret that, I think will determine the election in 24. Um, Personally, I shouldn't talk personal politics, but I worry that Democratic Party will not learn the lesson that there's a central middle class um, silent majority that wants um, many of the democratic policies, but at a slower level, slower pace, more deliberate and more rational, more conservative. And uh, I think the, 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 the discussion 
after the November election, we'll have a lot to do with how the markets behave in the following two years. Uh, because uh, the if it's a Trump-Biden election, it's going to scare the hell out of everybody. And if it's newcomers coming from nowhere, we have no idea who they might be. And it's a wild card. So that's why I say these next three, four years uh, is complicated a period that I've seen in my 50 years. And it's absolutely impossible to cause, to really have a strong opinion how this plays out. You have to be very careful, diversified, and um, yeah, the market could go down another five, 10%. Interest rates could go up another 50 basis points. All that is within the realm of acceptability. And the question is, you know, what do you do? And since none of us really know what to do, you have to do a little of everything. And if you want to keep some powder dry, uh, keep a couple bucks in your pocket. Thanks, Harold. That concludes our call. Um, thanks, thank you everyone for listening this quarter. And as always, please do not hesitate to reach out with further questions. Thank you. <laughs>